and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 329. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're going to be discussing Star Trek Prodigy's first season, <laughs> uh, Asylum, and Let Sleeping Borg Lie. Here we go. Asylum, Season 1, Episode 11, original release date October 27th, 2022, directed by Steve Ahn and Sung Shin, written by Kevin and Dan Hageman. Guest cast include Jason Alexander as Dr. Noom, Robert Beltran as Captain Chakotay, Eric Biza as Barnas Frask, David Diggs as Commander Types, Bonnie Gordon as Ship Computer, and Jamila Jamil as Asensia. <laughs> The Protostar crew seek asylum at a remote Starfleet communications relay station manned by Lieutenant Frex. In biometric scans, Murph is revealed to be a melanoid slime worm, and Dell's race is said to be known, but the information is restricted to Starfleet command. Gwen uses the station's sickbay to restore her memories of the Diviner's plan, but she is too late to warn Flex, who connects the Protostar's systems and activates the virus. I am Lieutenant Junior Grade Barnes Frex, and welcome to CR721, the Federation's furthest calm relay outpost, or what I like to call the final frontier. Strange. Usually that's a guaranteed winner for my fellow Starfleet compatriots. There's something we need to say. Oh dear, are they sending me somewhere worse? Where am I going this time? Gamma Quadrant? Oh, not Nimbus 3. We're not Starfleet. Not Starfleet? All right. So here, this, I believe it aired. Oh, I looked it up. It was like eight months after the previous episode, right? right. I think that's right. Yeah, about that's yeah we went right. from maybe February to October. Yeah. Yeah. I like this episode a lot, actually. I think it's a fun episode. But uh, I'll let uh, Steve kick us off on Asylum. Yeah, I know it's not really a second season. It's the second half of the first season, but it does feel like a, you know, something you you coming back from a hiatus kind of episode, you know, because big things have happened, um, but they do pick right up where they left off. And we see kind of the ramifications of the, the notion that, okay, we're going back, we're going to go to Starfleet, but we have all this baggage and we... Maybe we want to get 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 a, a, around this notion of we stole a starship and how do we present this to Starfleet and so on. That's kind of where we kick it off. So we have the whole thing where we have to clean up from Gwen forgetting about the weapon on the ship, and they deal with that. We also have Zero's guilt for wiping her memory that continues on. And then we also get hints at what becomes another major plot element in this uh, half season or whatever, and that's uh, Dahl's what he is you know what, what is his species why is it a secret did it too. it's dal dal you know my See, we all do it. Yeah. sorry go ahead they pick up all the pieces from the what we saw before they're also introducing some new things which is good um and it's also a, a fun well-paced you know you know actiony kind of adventure and it's kind of a unique notion this idea that there's this remote communication station one person on there they want to present themselves to it and we discover what can happen in a small way with this weapon on the ship when it encounters something starfleet so um i yeah i think i think it's great because everyone's involved it's 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 a fun action kind of adventure and and they're they're kicking off this new half season with some new information and 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 reminding us all what happened you know leading up to it so i enjoyed it too 
And it's cool too because by the end of this episode, it kind of sets up the rest of the season. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Zero had a line. I always say Zero is my favorite character, and she's also the funniest. She had a line that made me literally laugh out laugh out loud. I don't remember what Dal says something, or, and, and she said, "Your rebuttal is correct, but nonsense." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Adam, your first thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with Steve. Um, I enjoyed the opening sequence. You know, putting the whale. In the cargo bay, just kind of brings you back to the voyage home. Like, all, all we needed was the there be whales. <laughs> so that that was kind of fun. We got a little bit of an environmental message. You know, they're trying. You know, like oh, they're killing these whales, even though they you know help the ecosystem. So you get a little bit in there, and it's kind of a, it's a cool tease sequence. To them, you know, this crew that's um trying to I don't know if the right word is be worthy of you know the ship and Starfleet, all those these kind of things, but they're trying to do good. And, you know, they're building off the, the things that they, you know, started doing in the last half of season a point a or point Oh, and here we are in point two. So yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed it. And we get, like I said, we get all the de- definite cold plot points going forward, entertaining 22 minutes. And quite a lot happens too. It's another one of those things where there's a, there's just a lot of stuff in here. I feel like the next episode we're going to discuss I don't think I would say that, the Borg one, but this one, you know, that's a lot that really happens. I don't know about this, this Frex, Barnes Frex guy. I felt the same way. He, he like leaves them to die, right? He, it doesn't feel very Starfleet. Right. No. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And if there was ever a job for automation or a hologram, that seems like it would be on a far way out station. Yeah. I think he's Denobulan. I don't remember them being like all happy to be alone or something. I kind of feel like the opposite. They at least put a holodeck on that thing. Well, I guess there could be. There's kind of there seems to be kind of this pattern with Starfleet where they have remote places and they have one or two people and they like it's like a punishment or something. But you'd think you'd really want super competent, well-rounded people there if they're the only ones, you know, stationed there. But I don't know. Well, he does have like a throwaway line when he's like, "Are they is Starfleet upset with me again?" or something like that. Starfleet, are they going to send me to a worse place than this? He says a couple things, but he says, "Not Nimbus 3. <laughs> I think I think the problem with him just bailing. I mean, because he they made him out to kind of be you know funny and nice, and then and all of a sudden he just like oh, I'm going to leave you here to die. So I think that if they would have just set him up as more of a grump, mm-hmm. it would have been more believable there. At, you know, when he took off on them, and where's he going to go? I mean, like is it a, a warp <laughs> capable? <laughs> all right, Adam, you're watching these episodes for the first time, right? All right, I guess I'll find that out. He shows up again, Frick. Maybe, maybe. We get the whole bit about Dal's origins. Yeah. We'll hint. At least a little bit more. It makes it sound like Starfleet knows where he comes from. It's the first time we've seen that. Uh, which gives some additional stakes for by the end of the episode when he has to make the decision to at least put it off, if not, you know, not necessarily saying we're never going to find, you know, meet, or communicate with Starfleet, but put it off at least until we can figure this out. Or is that at the end of the next episode that they say that? I forget. Somewhere around. What I did notice from this episode is the the dueling Janeways. Oh, got the yeah. one Janeway who's like, "Yeah, I gotta find Chakotay, I gotta find this ship," and then you know, the kind of the more the mother. Yeah, I had to figure out what to put in my notes. Like, how am I going to differentiate them? So I just been putting Janeway for the hologram, and now I put Admiral Janeway for the vice the real Janeway, vice admiral. She's a vice admiral. Oh, golly, whatever all those things mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering too. Was Vice? Does that mean you're like co-admiral, or is that higher than admiral? Didn't know. 
kind of decided the hologram Janeway, um, I don't know, this episode made me think this for some reason. She's, it's a bit like reading a fortune cookie. Like sometimes she'll get in this mode where she's trying to cheer somebody up and say the right thing. And she just like spouts out truisms or non sequitur kind of statements. And it starts to feel like when you are in some kind of AI kind of conversation or something, which I guess is apt, but um, yeah. Do you think they're doing that intentionally to, to differentiate? I don't know. But I do like that. I like that there's a sense that these characters are different, you know? Yeah. Yep. She even sounds a little different, and maybe I'm just reading into it. Which is funny when you go back to Voyager when she was in that look, you know, with the she was kind of hardcore those first couple seasons of Voyager, you know, when she was with that look. So it's kind of, it's even different from the Voyager character. Or this, this hologram Janeway is more caring and mothering in a way well we did see for the first time uh like that in that mini not exactly flashback i guess it was just a recording of hologram event but holographic recording but uh, as chakotay was going to leave with the protostar you know indicating he's going to take it to the delta quadrant and janeway says something or he says something about the hologram janeway and you know its purpose and that's when Vice Admiral Janeway says something about that's the only way they were getting me to go back out there. <laughs> I kind of I'm kind of with her on that one. I think Chicote is kind of nuts for yeah. going back. He took the breakup with Seven hard. He needed to go on an adventure. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I'm going with. Your rebuttal is correct, but nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're going to use that for a long time. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. A bumper sticker. <laughs> Yes, by the end of the episode, Gwen does kind of remember everything. Right, because then the next episode opens with her really showing it to them. Okay, so when I earlier, when I said at the end of this episode, they set up the rest of the season, I, I was wrong. I was thinking of the end of the next episode, which is where they really set up the rest of the season. Sorry. Anyway, I do like this episode. I actually enjoyed, you know, because the design on this, on this show is fine, and it's occasionally good, and things like composition and stuff are fine and occasionally good. But I specifically enjoyed some of like the station's design on this episode and things like that. Things that I don't I feel like I don't normally notice and just like the the animation and stuff when they when the ship uh, st- excuse me when the station was exploding and all of that. I, I it was good. It was you know it was exciting and I liked it. I liked this episode, you know. I'm going to say different things when we talk about the next one, but it's not like bad or something, but I I, I like this episode. My one complaint there, I kind of felt like the, um, you know, when they had to jump off the station to get to the ship, you know, I see what they were kind of trying to do there. They're trying to, you know, like, hey, use math, you know, math, math can do wondrous things. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, all they have to do is just jump off the station and the ship can get them. And that's what ended up happening. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we, they, they we spent like two or three minutes of this suspense. Are we going to jump off? Are we not going to jump off? And I'm like, well. Can't Janeway just pick them up wherever they fly off to? And that's what ended up happening. Yeah, if they're going to do that, it should have just... It should should have been more complicated where you actually had to use math for something. Or Janeway wasn't in control of the ship and they had to like... You know, that would have been better if if Janeway couldn't Right, the orbits were fixed and they had to... Yeah, something. I'm a little confused about the Diviner. When last we saw him, he was just sliding around on the ground... But now we see him, he's in stasis. Is there something else there that I forgot that we're going to learn about later? The battle or something? I don't remember. Because we already saw the battle. Okay. Right, I don't remember either. Yeah. Uh, 
And I kind of just assumed he was on the protostar. No, we saw him at the in, at the end of the previous episode. We saw him like they had left him at Talamora okay. or Talamora, oh, yeah, right. whatever it's called. Yeah. All right. Well, what is this episode about? A lot of these episodes are kind of about the you know it's cut team. You know they all work together as a team. Finding out about one's past is also you know you know each of these you know they get scanned and they find out who they are. Dal. You know, we find out a little bit more of him, and he's like, you know, some of the, so realizations of truth. Some of the things I took from it. What'd you get, Steve? I had trouble kind of coming up with something. I mean, I I thought this was a good episode, but um, definitely the the uh, the themes of trying to come to terms with your your direction, or I guess you know, what's next for us and where are we going from here, which I felt makes sense given where we are in this portion of the season. But yeah, I don't really have much else, I don't think. Healing unresolved pain. You know, you have Zero, who's clearly in intense guilt for for yeah. what happened with Gwen. I mean, you know, and you this has been, Dal has been going through the pain of not knowing who he is. So, I mean, even though it doesn't, it's kind of the beginning of resolving pain like that. They don't, you know, we get to more of that in this next episode, but that's maybe something they were trying to go for too. All right, let's do Six Degrees for Asylum. Steve, Rock Talk Species is finally revealed. What was it? Um, Rickar. Rickar, yes. Play on the word brick, I guess? Apparently. Apparently that's, that's what they came up with. Yeah, that's a, that was established in those Peter David novels, wasn't it, like 20-some years ago? Because I remember there was a character that was Rickar, and I think it started oh. then. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I did in in studying researching this. Uh, Murph's species was not entirely invented. Apparently, there was an episode whenever he names. It sounded familiar. Barnes Frex names it, whatever slime whatever. Apparently, that was something that somebody called Wesley once as an insult. Hmm, okay. <laughs> I had no idea until I was looking that up. Uh, all right, Steve has one. Moving on. Let Sleeping Borg Lie, Season 1, Episode 12. Original release date, November 3rd, 2022. Directed by Olga Ulanova and Sung Shin. Written by Deandra Pendleton Thomas. Guest cast include Jason Alexander as Dr. Noom, Bonnie Gordon as Ship Computer, and Jamila Jamil as Asensia. The crew find the construct that holds the virus in a hidden subdeck on the ship and are unable to destroy it. Coming across a dormant Borg cube, they wonder if the Borg could help them disarm the weapon. On the cube, Zero connects to the Borg Collective to search for information, and is assimilated. A Borg cube. We must leave at once. Hold on. What's a Borg cube? The Borg are a race of enhanced humanoids. Mindless drones that assimilate everyone they come across into their collective. Collective? They are a hive mind. You mean they all share one brain? Thousands of minds working as one. With the sole intent to eradicate everything that's perceived to be a threat, including us. There's no reasoning with them. Any tactic, any measure, they learn and adapt. Until our weapons are useless and we are... Eradicated? Worse. Until we become one of them. All right. Adam, kick us off on Let Sleeping Blower Glide. So we um we jump into this episode where the the crew is is revealed to them by, by Gwen that um the true intent of the protostar is to 
destroy the Federation. So they go on the search for um, this device, this weapon. In in the previous episode, I wasn't sure what it was either. It kind of looked like um, the protostar was actually growing red, and I thought it might have had something to do with that. But it's actually this hidden subchamber under the bridge that they find um, using Gwen's um, arm arm key, seeing a symbol down there. So it's kind of, you know, kind of cool. We find this hidden chamber with this um, evil red eye glowing in the bottom. So um, they, they realize they can't deal with this. Um, I was a little confused, like the board cube just kind of dormant board cube just kind of shows up. <laughs> um, and so they go aboard. That was kind of my, I was like, oh, the Borg, we're going to get an attack. But no, it's just this dormant cube that yeah, they just kind of happened upon. I was wondering about that too. Did they encounter it or did it come to them? Did I miss yeah. that? It seemed like it came to them or I... Yeah, it was kind of strange there. Yet so, it's dormant, which makes no sense, so I don't know. Yeah. we all, As the audience, this is one of these times where we know a lot more than, you know, the actual, the crew or the cast here. Um, Janeway tries to brief them on the board, what what can happen and all these things. But as an audience, we we know all the things that can happen, so this could get kind of hairy, could get kind of crazy. So they go in there, and obviously the board wake up, and we see Zero is assimilated, um, which is interesting because um, she's non-corporeal, but yeah, it's you know we I've never we've never seen a non-corporeal being being assimilated at, from by the Borg. So yeah, it's a it's an interesting journey down um down the Borg genre. I wouldn't say this is would be my favorite episode, but it's but it's good. Um, the other parts I liked about it is the Janeway interactions with the Diviner. Again, we know more. As the audience, we know more than Janeway does because we know we know who the Diviner is. We know what he's been up to. We know what his plans are. But Janeway is clueless to this, and you're always like, "Oh, you should know." But I mean, this would be if if we as the audience didn't know, this would be the standard protocol. We got to wake this guy up and talk to him and figure out what's going on. And so that's an interesting, different point of view of, as um, audience. Two instances where we know more than the characters. Steve, your first thoughts? Yeah, I think I think that the notion of knowing a lot more than than the the leads of the characters in the show can be, you know, is is a recipe for disaster sometimes with shows. You know, if you know too much, it's just kind of like, well, they they're going to look stupid, or you you're way ahead of them, or whatever else. Too, I didn't. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. It's kind of a different take, and it seems like you got to, you know, you get so many episodes into a series in Star Trek, you got to throw the Borg in somewhere or another at some point. But um, yeah, there are some inconsistencies and confusing notions. The one we already touched on with this d- dormant Borg cube, yet it conveniently comes to them right there. They make some bad choices as to why they even would go down that path. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a leap to say, well, you know, assimilate. Well, then they maybe can beat beat this thing that's in the ship. I don't know. It's a little yeah, silly. A, I agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get this notion of a non-corporeal being being assimilated, but then it gets a little cheesy because him coming out of it's kind of like a, giving himself a pep talk or something. And you got, uh, that rhino wrestler mutant thing or whatever that's assimilated. But that's another new one. I haven't seen a bored rhino looking guy or whatever. Who, who's the, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the two? Oh yeah. Like two guys. Like that. Mm-hmm. He looks like one of those two. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Those guys. Okay. Yeah, maybe he gets Donatello. some <laughs> No, not the turtles. Oh. The, the the bad guys oh, right. from the turtles. Oh, right. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And we see uh, Rock, you know, kicking some butt on there. That's fun for a while. They resolve the situation. Zero comes around. He gives him a pep talk to get unassimilated or however that works. 
and they move on. But as you kind of indicated earlier, this this episode is kind of does is kind of a launching pad for the rest of the season and, and where they're going from here. It, it wraps up with Janeway and her ship, the, the you know Vice Admiral Janeway arriving at the relay station. We've already seen them at, and then them trying to piece it all together. And uh... this is a good example of like this episode is fine. It has enough moments in it that I enjoy. Like we said, the way it wraps up, the way it sets up the rest of the season, that stuff is good. I do like Zero. It's Yes, it's a stretch. You're just going to talk yourself out of being assimilated. But you know what? Non-corporeal being how they assimilate him, her anyway. So I'll give you a little space there to do something different. But yeah, there's enough stuff that it's 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 a weaker episode. But I was thinking... They get away with it partially because it's 22 minutes long, right? Yeah. If this was 46 minutes, right. if it was yeah. 42 minutes, you would just be... Well, one of the other crew would have had to been assimilated, and then she would have had to feel... Zero would have had to feel guilty about, oh, no, I, I hurt another crew member. But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe this is a... We've talked a lot about how this show introduces Star Trek concepts for new or especially younger viewers. So it did feel like they were giving us the kid intro for the Borg and kind of it felt a little bit like they were making them zombies or something kind of when they're coming at them on the bridge. Yeah, it did feel. Yeah. I thought maybe they were simplifying it and trying to go that route. They didn't show the um, immediate assimilation. That's another thing. I was like, well, once they get captured there, don't wait to assimilate you. Yeah. Right. It's like they put them into like some kind of like old fashioned James Bond villain scenario where they tie them (laughs) up to a table or something and assemble. I don't know what was going on there. We know they can go faster than that. No, so I whatever. expect you to be assimilated. That's what <laughs> I'm going to reveal my plans. We're going to <laughs> assimilate you in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or so. But I, I like the uh, I like the metaphorical representation of the conversation between Zero yeah. and the Borg collective. That was, that was interesting and cool. I kind of wanted a little more of that. Maybe it would have made more sense to, to see Zero escape from within there or something i don't know yeah there was some i agree with you there were some concepts they could have done a lot more with with zero inside the collective that i think were missed i mean it's fine it was, it's a kid's thing I, I, they put it seemed like they were assimilating her suit more than her or something you know but it's it's fine it's fine it was cool seeing that they seemed to immediately know what that weapon was do they have some kind of have they already attempted to assimilate the uh, gwen and the diviner species i forget what they're called well you've seen ahead you tell us tell me <laughs> They gave uh, Zero's species a number, which was low. It was like 800 and something. Have we ever... I don't know. I, I never thought about it before. I don't know what the lowest numbers we've heard are. We all know 8472 really well. Yeah, I have to look that up, all the uh, yeah. the cataloged numbers for but the Borg. You know, it kind of makes you think if, they, if the Borg originated in the Delta Quadrant, you know, they would have encountered species there first, and maybe there's, I don't know. So that was the perfect, the perfect place for Dal to figure out who he was. Yeah, yeah. Missed opportunity. Uh, and, then, and then the episode ends with, uh, we're, they're going to be like the A-team. <laughs> right. Distress signal, let's go help. Let's do some good. Dal just needs a cigar. <laughs> and a plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're old. There was a moment at the beginning that all Jankum never makes me laugh because he's like intentionally the you know com- comedy and he's never not actually funny for me personally. 
But when he's like, there's a weapon on our ship that we got to find. That was funny. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> you idiots. That's what he was saying. I kind of look, he's kind of like for more of the, the younger, younger audience. Like, you know, if you're five, six, you know, that bombastist kind of character. What is this episode about? If I were to put this episode as, you know, if this was going to be a character episode, I would say it's Zero. And I think it's kind of a continuation from the last couple, you know, the pain and the guilt that Zero's been feeling about the harm that she feel, she perceives that she caused Gwen. Even though Gwen in the previous episode said it wasn't your fault, you saved me, you know, because clearly Zero's holding on to this. And that was, that was the catalyst for them talking her out of um, being assimilated, you know, you're hurting us, you can't hurt us anymore. And I think that, you know, there's resolution to that pain and there's um, a, a deeper bond between the zero and, and Gwen. So that's kind of what, that's what I took out of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of what ties these two together. I mean, this is a lesser episode than the first in a lot of ways, obviously, but because of that thread that, that connects them it, it does kind of feel like the two together or something of a intro to this half season and uh and, and zero's kind of the connecting point where there's some resolution you know because partway through gwen gets her memories then it's resolved as to how zero comes around and and doesn't hurt anyone any further and they have the pep talk and all that so you know that that's i i agree i think zero is kind of the center of this great for us zero fans a fine episode, not great. Average. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it, it's, it's not fine. a bad episode. It's, no, it's, it's not bad. Average. It's not it's bad. Average. average. But I, I really like the first one we talked about today. Definitely. I enjoyed that one a lot. All right, let's do six degrees for Let Sleeping Borg Lie. Here we go. Adam. Jason yes. Alexander plays Dr. Is it Nam or Num? What's his name, Steve? He's in Dr. Num? Dr. Nam. Yeah, it's pronounced like Nom. neither of them, so it's kind of hard to say. Nam, maybe Nom. Nom, okay. Jason Alexander plays Dr. Nam, a doctor with a lousy bedside manner. In Voyager's fifth season, he played Kuros in the episode Think Tank, an alien that offers to help Voyager escape from a race of bounty hunters known as the Hazari in exchange for what? What do they, what's the Think Tank demand as payment for their services? Seven of nine. Wow. Didn't Didn't even hesitate. Look at that. Oh, he was ready for that one. Oh, look at that. I actually did remember it. Hey, the memory, hey, it's still working after almost 50 years. So that was a one-to-one tie, but I mean, I think that was harder than the brick hire. You know, I don't know. Oh, Steve disagrees. That look. No, no, no. No, it's, it's <laughs> a episode-specific, very, very detail. Yeah, no. An actual six degrees question, which is nice. Mm-hmm. You, you probably would have got me if you would have said, what season was this? What, what season I thought about this? that, but that just seems so nondescript. I mean, obviously, it's going to be after Seven's on the show, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it, it could have been anywhere. Uh, let's see. So we had Star Trek Day, and uh, I admit that I watched the 22-minute thing they put on Paramount+. Plus. You know, hey, it's great that they do something like that. Like the previous years, it kind of felt like a Paramount Plus ad, but it's fine. It's fine. The the one thing that was kind of disappointing, considering like what we're talking about right now, Prodigy. Did, I don't know if you guys watched it, but there there was a no. 
I, I didn't watch it, but I, I read about everything that came out. Well, there, of it there was a section where they're things. like, and now because we're, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, the animated series, we're right. going to have an animated retrospective, they said. Mm-hmm. They used that word. And then they showed us some stuff from Star, Star Trek, the animated series, and then Star Trek Lower Decks. And then that was it. That was no it. Product, no product. That's the retrospective about our, from our, the history of Star Trek animation. Yeah, yeah. What is that? That's it. Those are the only two. There's no. There's no other show. <laughs> Come it's, on, guys. It's really too bad. I mean, uh, I I didn't. I'm. I knew I was always going to watch this show, but I didn't watch it initially when it first ran. You know, there's a billion things that occupy my brain so i just didn't get to it but it's it's actually a good show i mean well it's just it's disappointing that it, i mean come on just just change the line don't say don't say you're giving me a star trek animation retrospective of the history of animation celebrating star trek animation and then doing not not doing a third of <laughs> the history of star trek animation just don't do that just don't say that it's you know it, it's stupid it feels like there's more to the story than we know about oh well, they another thing that they repeatedly said on this on this program was how paramount plus the home of star trek they said that a lot the home of star trek well again you don't have all star trek it's kind of weird to be the home of star trek but all right all right i mean i think i think they've made a mistake in a lot of ways i think in the big picture they made a mistake because i don't i don't think they get trek fans really by this maneuver i understand from the tax stuff and all that bit too but then you have the strikes come into play and now they've just wiped away the chance to fill a lot more time of something that's already done absolutely on it's done. plus yeah it's done yeah reminder the strikes do not apply to animation i mean the this show is canon it's part of canon i'm, I'm not yeah. mistaken, mistaken by that i'm like so why would you ignore a canon storyline well that's that's the that's exactly though when when steve says maybe they sometimes they don't get the fans sometimes that's a good example yeah, right yeah I understand the business side of it, you know, like what we were talking about before, and then it made some money or whatever. But if you're just going to ignore it moving forward is a mistake. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird is what it is. It's just weird. Uh, but speaking of non-canonical things, we got the first of these so-called very short treks, these little mm-hmm. three or four minute animated pieces. I guess there's going to be one a week for the next month or so. And the first one was uh, Skin a Cat or Two Skin a Cat, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these are... Very specifically, they said these are not canon. Uh, but the first one, I got to say, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. We laughed yeah. out loud. I watched it a couple times. It was funny, you know. And it's nice that they're doing something for the 50th of the, of the animated series. But, yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I can't imagine the animated series would actually look much better if you, uh, assuming they have the negative to go back to, to do like a 4K transfer. I kind of think it probably wouldn't look much better. But, right, right. you know. If I could have anything I wanted as a celebration for the anniversary, that would probably be it. I remember a couple of years ago, there was conjecture. Some, I don't remember even who came up with the idea, but somebody had talked about what if you, what if they did like a CGE version, just kept the audio exactly the same. Eh. Maybe, maybe replace some of the Jimmy's doing voices that all sound like Jimmy doing, but do like a CG version. And at first I thought, well, that sounds cool. But then I thought, I don't know, because so much of it is, cheaply done that they're just standing there with no motion <laughs> that's just going to be accent accent yeah, if yeah. you do it with cg um, i would just if they were going to do that just redo the show if you did do an animated original star trek show again just start from i mean you'd obviously have to hire 
Well, I think it's a good idea because they've only done two, as we know, the animated series and Lower Decks are the only animated shows they've ever made. Yeah, I have no idea what we've been talking about in the last... Yeah, they should do a third one, I think. Do you know this is a Star Wars show? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't that be hilarious if this did end up on Disney? Oh, and of course, Lower Decks did finally premiere its fourth season this past week. Two episodes. They're pretty good, pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Enjoyed them a lot. Especially the, the first one, which has some relevance to our current show we're mm-hmm. talking about, Prodigy. So, it's good. All right. Well, we're going to be back in two weeks to discuss the next two episodes of Prodigy's first season. I'm looking forward to doing that with the Blu-rays instead of the iTunes version, because that just has, that just has stereo audio. Ugh. I want the 5.1. Thank you very much. <laughs> so thank you so much for spending in half an hour with us. You can email us, trekcompanion at gmail.com, and our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.